Thank you. Yeah, really nice to uh, be with you this morning. As he said, we got some books back there. Uh, beginning of 2020, I was in. We were getting ready to start a ministry school in Paraguay, and I crossed into Brazil to meet some pastors. And they shut the border, and I got stranded in Brazil for three months. <laughs> and while I was there and spending time praying, uh, the Lord began to speak to me a lot about spiritual warfare. And uh, wrote this book called uh, Open Heavens. And uh, it's a course that we've been teaching on spiritual warfare. And there's a second book called uh, Jezebel and the Battle for America, which is spiritual warfare applied uh, to the United States. (laughs) And the Lord began to show me how the enemy controls this world. To a large degree, he uses systems. At the center of every system, there's an idol. And these systems, these idols are worshipped often with blood sacrifices. So if you're a Muslim, once a year you sacrifice a sheep in a special ceremony, and that's a blood sacrifice, that's a blood covenant connecting you to the idol, connecting you to Islam. Why is abortion so important? It's more than money, guys. It's a blood sacrifice to the idol of our society. What is the central idol in America today? What do we teach people to believe in? If you look at the education, you can tell what the idol is. What do they teach you to believe in when you go to school? Believe in money? Yeah. Believe in, believe in yourself. You are God. You decide if you're male or female. Doesn't matter what kind of body you have, you decide. You decide what's right and wrong. If you have some weird sexual desire, is good. Comes from God. Comes from self. And you need to obey that desire. And we believe in God, but he's a God who always supports your choices. He always supports your sin. Is that America today? And there's a blood sacrifice that connects us to the idol. And what's that sacrifice? Abortion. It's the glue that holds the whole system together. It's central, and they would do anything to hold on to those blood sacrifices because that's what's connecting people in blood covenant. What is blood covenant? To become one. (laughs) A man shall leave his father and mother, be united as his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You guys with me? That's blood covenant. The Old Testament, when you read about worshiping Baal, you read about temples of Baal, there's two things in those temples. Well, there's barbecue in the temple. You sacrifice a goat to Baal and you go to the temple. And in the temple of Baal, everybody eats that goat. What are they doing? Blood covenant. 
They're connecting to Baal. They're saying Baal is our God. We are his people. As we eat that goat to sacrifice to Baal, we are connecting through blood covenant to the idol of the society. And number two, in those temples, what else is in the temple? Prostitutes. <laughs> and you go to the temple, you sleep with a prostitute dedicated to Baal, and you're forming blood covenant. Those are the two main forms of blood covenant, blood sacrifice and sexual immorality. And abortion is very, very, very important to these people because it's what gives their idol and their gods the right to rule our nation. Anyway, that's not my topic this morning, but I thought I'd, thought I'd uh, <laughs> jump, on, uh, jump on his message. It's extremely important. It's, uh, it's what creates this whole Jezebelic system, gives it authority. It's foundational for the whole thing. Uh, but we, we operate missionary training schools, and uh, whenever possible, we put these schools in Muslim communities so that the entire time that you're learning about ministry, you're doing the ministry. So while you're learning in the classroom, everything you're learning is being put into practice. Uh, this school in, in Paraguay, for example, the final exam would be a two-week outreach in an Arab community. Uh, and so if you fail that exam, <laughs> you fail the year. So two weeks ministering in an Arab community. There's one uh, at the border of Brazil where they minister. Uh, another outreach they do would be a faith mission where you go with no money and you preach the gospel for a week and a one-way bus ticket, pray for the sick, preach the gospel, trust that the Lord opens a door, a place to stay. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful year. We've seen so many miracles, <laughs> so many. Uh, you see that God is good and that he always makes a way. And it's been exciting. Uh, in Africa, we're training Africans to reach the Muslim communities of uh, East Africa. In Paraguay, we're training missionaries for the Arabs. And uh, in Ohio and in Pennsylvania, the Lord spoken to us for many years that there would come a move among the Anabaptists and there would be a mission move into Europe. And so there's, uh, that's what we're busy with here. That's why, that's why I'm in Ohio at the moment. And so it's just an exciting time. I don't want to take too much time on that. I want to get to the message. But I want to talk this morning about the harvest. Can you say the harvest? Right. And the harvest is plentiful. <laughs> but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors into his harvest fields. And what did Jesus say? He said, the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Say it together. The harvest is the end of the age. <laughs> the reapers are angels. So he talks of angels of the harvest. talks of angels <laughs> being sent into the harvest. And so at the end of this age, what happens? Harvest. You guys with me? And there needs to be laborers in that harvest. There's people working in that harvest. There's angels working in that harvest. And there's a harvest of the nations. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you for where you've placed them in this community. And Lord, we really want to see harvest. We really want to see it here in America. We want to see it in the Muslim world. We want to see it in Africa. 
I want to see it in Europe. I want to see Europe open up in the glory of the Lord. Fill that continent. I want to see the blindness and the deafness of Europe removed. That the people would see you and know you and worship you. And Father, we pray that there would come a move of missions, even out of this area. That once again, the fire of missions would be stirred up. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, for what you're doing in this community. I thank you for the stirring that's taking place. I thank you, Lord, that your fire is burning and it's going to spread. I thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. So take a look at our website. Um, get, get involved if you'd like to. But it's an exciting time. And, uh, man, we've seen a lot of stuff this year. <laughs> seen the dead being raised. We've seen just dramatic miracles of can- cancer being healed. You just see the openings into the Muslim world, the openings into Europe. <laughs> and uh, praise God. I don't, I'm not going to give a, I don't have time to give a lot of testimonies. I know the time's short this morning. But it is an exciting time. It's a time of uh, just so many things taking place. Can I teach a little bit this morning about the harvest? And I'm going to come from a little different angle than what you've probably looked at. Maybe, maybe you have. Maybe you've looked at it. But the Bible speaks about the harvest at the end of the age, and it speaks about the angels of the harvest. There's a scripture that I keep coming back to in 2 Corinthians The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's a basic principle you find through the Bible, that he is ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Say it together. He's ready to punish all disobedience (laughs) when your obedience is complete. He's ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is complete. That's a little bit hard to understand. But it's all through the Bible. When he had a group following Joshua that was completely obedient, his judgments came upon the Amorites. And on and on and on. When I read about the final harvest, I'm going to teach a little bit on the final harvest. Because if we understand the final harvest, we can understand some principles of harvest that are taking place. And so when you read about the final harvest and the angels of that harvest... You can read about that in Revelation chapter 14. I looked and behold a a lamb standing on Mount Zion with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. I heard the voice of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. 
These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So it talks of these worshipers worshiping before the throne in complete unity with the one who sits on the throne. It says in their mouth there's no deceit. What did Jesus say out of the heart? The mouth speaks. Their hearts have been purified. Their mouth has been purified. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. It compares them to virgins. They're just totally given to the Lord, totally belonging to the Lord. Can you say complete obedience? And whenever you read about these worshipers, the next thing you read about is the final harvest. You guys with me? It says when your obedience is complete, then he deals with the nations. And so you read about these worshipers worshiping in total unity with the Lord, following him wherever he goes. You can't even tell is it heaven or earth. It's heaven coming to earth. It's Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion? Is that heaven or earth? Well, that's heaven connecting to earth. Let's read on. So after you read about these worshipers in complete unity, then you read about these angels. You read about seven angels. Can you say seven angels of the harvest? I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven. This is verse 6, chapter 14. Having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and springs of water. Say it together. Fear God. Give him glory. Worship him. What does this scripture call that message? The everlasting gospel. Can you say the everlasting gospel? to be preached to every tribe, tongue, and nation on this earth. (laughs) Jesus said, talked of the angels connected to the harvest, and here's an angel, and he's releasing a message to be preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Fear God. Give him glory. Worship him. Say it one more time. Fear God. Give him glory. Worship him. What does the Bible call that message? The everlasting gospel. Okay, this isn't my opinion. This is what the Bible says. That's the message of the final harvest. It's the message of the final harvest. Fear God. Give him glory. Worship him. You go to the second angel. Another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
Can you say Babylon has fallen? <laughs> and I believe Babylon represents all the systems of this world. <laughs> it represents Islam. It represents a system built around the worship of self that we're talking about. It represents Roman Catholicism. It represents the economic system of this world. Babylon's an economic system. In the final harvest, the systems of this world are going to be collapsing. You with me? Everything that's been built by the religious mind of man, every religion that's built to keep people from the living God is going to be falling apart. Islam is going to be falling apart. You know, when the face of Islam is exposed, its true face is exposed, that's not a bad thing. When people see this is Islam, this hatred that's so strong that somebody will take a hang glider and know that he's going to die that day, but say, let me kill one baby before I die and behead an infant before I die. That hatred, that evil is exposed. <laughs> let it be exposed. Let the face of Satan be seen and let the people choose. In Afghanistan, right now they're seeing the face of Islam. But the servants of God are there. And I know some of these servants. <laughs> Praying for the sick, preaching the gospel of the king and kingdom, demonstrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they see that and they say, see Islam, what do they say? <laughs> Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You're going to see a massive harvest in Afghanistan. <laughs> My one friend has 15 churches among the Taliban. They're baptizing hundreds of Taliban. He kind of makes fun of us because we're working in Africa and Latin America. He's like, yeah. The best missionaries are Taliban. <laughs> he says, we got a terrorist training center that now is a Bible school, and we're training, we're training missionaries for the kingdom. <laughs> this message sounds a little bit harsh that I'm preaching, but it's Bible. Is it Bible? There's more than one side of God's character. Is that right? If you go to Bethel and the School of Ministry, you're going to learn about the grace of God and the healing of God and the goodness of God, and that's all good. But what's the Bible say? Study the goodness and the severity of God. <laughs> you want to know both. You want to study both. When you raise a child, if you only give him candy every time he does something wrong, is that going to work? <laughs> every child needs love and discipline. Tell that to your neighbor. Every child needs love and discipline. And, and a lot of you are coming from a religious background, and you've known a harshness that came from religious men. Is that true? Not from God, not the holiness of God, not the fear of the Lord, but the fake thing, the imitation thing that came from men who thought they were the judges. Is that true? And so when you hear something, like a message like I'm preaching this morning, Ah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? 
We're talking about the real thing. The real fear of God that comes from the throne of God (laughs) doesn't make you into a judgmental person. If you understand that he's a judge, you're not going to judge anybody because you know as I judge, I will be judged. (laughs) And you're going to give grace. Lord, let me give grace. Let me give healing. Let me give blessing. You are the judge. But it's not just a message that you want to hear. It's a message that you need. And we need the fear of the Lord. Not the fear that comes from religious men that think they're the judge, but we need the genuine fear of the Lord. When you study our nation's history, you read about great awakenings, and in those awakenings, the fear of the Lord filled this land. 80% of the American colonists sat in the meeting of one man, George Whitfield. And the fear of God would come on those gatherings and people would cry. They'd have a revelation of the judge of the earth. And these guys were Calvinists. You can't do anything to save yourselves. You just sit there and scream (laughs) and see if maybe God chooses to come and save you. And he did. He came and let them know, hey, I've forgiven you. I've taken it away. It's going to be okay. And people be set free and filled with joy (laughs) supernaturally. Okay, and the nation was changed. The fear of the Lord changed this nation. And when they made the Constitution, they knew human nature ain't too good, so let's make a system that restricts the government so that no man could dominate this nation because we, we know what human nature is about. To face what is coming, we need the fear of the Lord. As much as we need the love of God, as much as we need the goodness of God, we got to know that we're going to stand before him. And in the final harvest, the fear of the Lord is going to fill the earth. In the final harvest, the fear of the Lord is going to fill the earth. You know, people study the book of Revelation, and they get so focused on the Antichrist and on his mark, and 666, and you read books about 666, and you read everybody gets scared of the Antichrist, and they miss the main point. What's the main point? Well, the Bible tells us about a harvest that no man can number that takes place during the great tribulation. Let me read the next verse here. A third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships a beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They shall have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead 
who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow him. If you go to Revelation 7, John sees a great multitude in white robes. And the angel asked John, this great multitude that can't be counted, where does it come from? And John said, hey, I got no idea where this multitude came from. And he said to John, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are before the throne of God to serve him day and night. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear. What's my point? It talks of a great harvest and a great test. (laughs) That in the great harvest, there's a test. If you take the mark of the beast, you share in the judgment of the beast. Now, I think you know this. You guys are involved in evangelism. You ever pray with someone to receive Christ, and they face a little test. A pretty girl comes along, and they immediately go back to immorality. Does that ever happen? And so a small test, a pretty girl, and they drop everything, and they fail the test. Does that happen, guys? And in this final harvest, there's a big test. If you don't bow to the beast, he's going to kill you. And a multitude that cannot be numbered passes that test. A multitude that cannot be numbered tells the beast, you can take your mark and shove it somewhere. I really don't care. (laughs) I fear God a lot more than I fear you. And they pass the test. They love the Lord. They fear the Lord. That revelation is so strong that they all pass the test. Do you understand that you need a certain revelation to pass the tests that are coming? Can I tell you that there's a time of testing coming right now? I'm not saying it's the final test and somebody's going to stick a mark on your head. But there's a test coming right now. And to pass that test, you need a certain revelation. There's a training that prepares you for the test. And if you're going to face a test in school and you've only studied one part of the exam, you're going to fail the test. If you say, hey, I only like to study the parts of God's love. That's the only part I like. Come on, you can take your message and do something. You know, I don't want to hear it. I only want to study what I like. But you need a certain revelation to pass a certain test. And we need a revelation of the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord. And when you have that revelation, these little sins where people go round and round, you can throw them aside like it's nothing. You hear me? And that's what we see here. We see a revelation of the holiness of God filling the earth. 
and a great test being passed. Study the scriptures you like. Study the ones you don't like. They're both true. (laughs) And the test is coming. The Bible talks of the test. It talks of the storms. They're going to beat against the house. And did we hear the voice of God and put it into practice? It talks of the wolves. What do the wolves test? Well, the one who's in ministry because of money, he flees when the wolf comes. The hireling who's doing the work of the shepherd, but he's doing it for his own benefit. He flees when the wolf comes. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's going to be a test of leaders. And the real leaders, they confront the wolves. The real leaders, you know, you know, sometimes we expect the kids to go to school and face the wolves and go to the university and face professors who are going to try to attack their faith. And as pastors, we live a pretty comfortable life. You know what I'm talking about? We're in leadership. You got to confront the wolves. God, help me confront them. (laughs) Help me confront Islamic leaders. Help me confront the guys I got to confront in Europe. Help me not to be afraid. Help me to stand and speak your word. I don't want to send my kids out to face this stuff, and I'm not willing to face it. If you're going to walk in authority, you got to be willing to confront the wolves. You got to protect your children. You got to go speak to teachers. You got to fight for your community. If you sit back and let the kids be on the front lines, Thank you for what you're doing with abortion, guys. Thank you. There's a great harvest. It's a revelation of the holiness of God, the fear of the Lord. There's a people who are completely obedient before the Lord allows that tribulation to come. That's what it says. Walking in full unity with him. There's a test that comes in the harvest. Then we come to the fourth angel. I'm going to wrap up here because I'm out of time. The fourth angel. Then I looked and behold a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown. And in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, him also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came from the altar who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice, to him with a sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So the final four angels, 
the fourth angel, one like the Son of Man, carrying a sickle, wearing a golden crown, sitting on a cloud. Who is that? That's the Lord of the harvest. That's Jesus gathering the harvest. Where do we meet Jesus? In the clouds? Well, here he is sitting on a cloud with a sickle, gathering us to him in the clouds. Do you see that? One like the Son of Man, wearing a golden crown with a sickle. This is Jesus coming as Lord of the harvest to gather the harvest. The fourth angel is not an angel. It is the Lord. (laughs) And he's gathering the harvest that loves him more than life itself. It's a harvest that has passed the test. It's a harvest of those who passed the test of the final the final harvest, the, t- the test was life and death. And a multitude that cannot be numbered loved him more than their life, and he raises them, living and dead, to meet him as he comes. And then you have the final part of the harvest, which is a harvest of destruction for what remains. And I know we have different opinions about the timing and the interpretation of this, uh, so I'm not, I don't want to get into the details of exactly how and when. But this is a clear description of the Lord gathering the harvest. <laughs> gathering the harvest into the clouds. And then destruction coming on what, what, what remains. Can you say, wow, that doesn't impress you? That impresses me. <laughs> it's exciting. So even if we're not at that final harvest, we're getting closer. (laughs) We're getting closer. And there's going to be a people who love him. There's going to be a people who pass the test. And even here in America, you're going to see things shake. That's a promise in the Bible. Everything that can shake is going to be shaken. There's a lot of evil stuff that needs to shake. And even as it shakes, there's going to be a people who loves the Lord more than life itself. Say, Lord, we love you. We follow you. And we don't care what they do to us. <laughs> You're not going to intimidate me. We can't expect people to stand up to Islam. And here in America, we live in comfort year after year after year after year. We're going to have some tests. The Lord allows the test. He allowed Peter to be tested. He's going to let you be tested. And we are entering right now a time of testing. I'm not saying it's the final test, but there's a test coming right now. It's going to shake the church. And for those that pass through that test, there's going to be a great strengthening of the true church. There's going to be a church that loves him, that's passed the test, that walks in real authority, and we're going to see at least the beginnings of the harvest. We're going to see people who've been hardened start to open their hearts and say the Lord is real. It's a great time. We fight in the politics, but even if you lose the politics, we hold to the Lord, speak his word, and we use our spiritual weapons. That's okay. 
It's okay, it's okay. Play it again. <laughs> anyway, things are shaking. Islam is shaking. Europe's shaking. When I go to Europe, I see Germany shaking. I see the Lord raising up a people who loves him wholeheartedly. I could tell you so many stories, but I'm out of time. <laughs> but it's a wonderful time, and I want to be part of that harvest. I want my kids to be part of it. I want them to be fearless. I want them to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through the nations of Europe. I want to train and send missionaries into all the parts of the world. Amen.